0: Good morning, everyone. Good morning. This is the day that the Lord has made. Blessings. Blessings to you all. Glad that you're in worship with us. So, as Rachel and I have thought forward with some of the other leaders of the of the church, um, our near future it's it's become clear. Like we uh, published at the end of this week, um, that we're we're not going to gather in person anymore for a while. Uh, at our worship service times on Sunday and also uh, during the week now we're not quite sure how long that's going to go on um, we know that we're we're definitely committing ourselves to this kind of pattern for the month of March and then we will we'll see um, from our health leaders in our local community and in our state what kind of uh, directions we have for Um, how we proceed forward into April Um, but it may be it may be that um, we'll still be in this mode of not being with one another having to um, uh, have this kind of social distance through Easter and wouldn't that be a shame Uh, but if that's the way it is that's going to be the way it is and we will um, do Easter remotely each of us from our homes. Um, we'll do whatever we need to do to keep each other safe, but also to worship God and build a sense of community with one another. So our our intention at this point is that um, we would have a, uh, a worship um, brought forward to you electronically uh, each week. We're thinking 10 o'clock would be the hour and that we will do that and, and you'll be invited to tune in then and to uh participate uh contemporaneously with us who are leading it here or to tune in any other time at your convenience we are also um thinking this is a great opportunity to develop what we've been talking about for three years which are is more uh remote electronic kind of classes and prayer groups and so uh, we're going to be looking to see how we can develop those and invite you to be a part of those. Uh, some of you, uh, I know, don't like that. Others of you think that's a rich opportunity of, of more connections. And so we're, we're thinking about how we might um, uh, do that. If you have some advice for us, we're always willing to try to listen and grow in our understanding of how, um, how we do things. If you are not on the church's uh, email blast list, I apologize for that, and I don't know why you're not, because as I look around, all of you sh- are the kind of people that are here often enough that you ought to be on that, but if you if you, are being surprised by what I'm saying, but you are up to date with your emails, then you must not be on that list, and so you need to call the church office, uh, talk to Joanna, and make it clear to her that you need to be on that e-blast list that the, uh, that the church has so that you can uh, stay in touch with us. We are, we are wanting to stay in touch with you. I think it is important that we have some kind of worship experience, but beyond that, we want to know what's going on in your lives and, and whether... Um, you're doing well or whether you're having some challenges that we might be helpful uh, to support you with. Um, So please stay in touch with the church, uh, particularly if you turn ill. Um, Let us know that 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 is your circumstance so that we can uh, assist you if if that is possible or at least be in prayer over you because we always can do that. Um, And If you should get ill, those of you who are listening to me right now in person, if you should get ill in the next few days, then you've been contagious today. And so we want to know that so that we can um, share with our friends who perhaps are in contact with you today uh, that concern that they should be um, monitoring themselves. We're always, we all should be monitoring ourselves all along, but that would increase that. But be in touch with your church and uh, help us to be in touch with you so that we can stay connected uh, in worship of God and in uh, caring of one another. Now, we, we do have a worship service already planned this morning with different parts of it. Um, but Maurice is reminding us, I'm not going to ask him to read it. No, you can stay in your seat. Thank you anyway. But, um, that Psalm 91 is just a marvelous psalm to bolster our spirit of of being in God's care. So we have other scripture for today and we're gonna start to get into worship now 10 minutes later than we usually do. Um, But take that to heart, maybe uh, make a note for yourself um, or during the offering take a look at it, Psalm 91. The Psalms are full of marvelous uh, passages for us that give expression uh, to our joy, our concern, and our anger um, as people living in this world or people of faith. Uh, Psalm 91 is is one that kind of uplifts our spirit in the face of, of great challenges, so you may want to. Uh, be attentive to that. So let us now center ourselves, um, rejoice in the fact that we are here today with one another and be in worship. Thank you very much, kids. Great job. Great job. Donna, thank you. And parents, thank you for uh, staying here a little extra length this morning so that we at our 1030 service could enjoy uh, the singing of the kids.
1: Good morning, everyone. Good morning. My wife, Anne, and I, my name is Jeff Barnhart. This is Anne Barnhart. We come to you from Mystic, Connecticut, and we are indeed giving the concert, this afternoon at 4pm as ivory and gold, ivory because I'll be tickling the ivories and gold because Anne's flute is made of gold. Uh, We're here to offer just one tune today, which given what your pastor has been saying and what we've all been experiencing over this last week, especially seems quite timely. It's a piece written by a fellow who uh, was born outside of Cape Town in the veldt, in a tribe, So not right in Cape Town proper, Cape Town, Africa. His name at the time is lost to the mists of time. Later on, he would take the name Abdullah Ibrahim. But back as a child, he was part of a tribe that had antagonistic tribes around it. Skirmishes and wars would break out literally in a day. And they believed that the most precious commodity the tribe had were the elders the people who had taught them everything they knew, who through oral story had told them who they were as a people and where they were going. So if they got word ahead of time that a warring tribe was coming in, they would then grab the elders, take them into the hills and hide them. And their philosophy was come in, destroy our homes, steal our cattle, we will rebuild, we will continue to survive, but dare not touch one hair on the head of one of our elders. And that's the meaning of the song we're about to play for you, water from an ancient well. The water, the knowledge passed down from generation to generation. The ancient well, the vessels that hold that knowledge, the elderly, the ancient ones. Uh, Abdul Ibrahim is indeed one of them himself. He's 93 years old, he travels around the world, still performing solo piano concerts and spreading his message. So here's Water from an Ancient Well by Abdullah Ibrahim.
2: Listen and receive a reading from the word of God. Create in us a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within us according to your grace and mercy. May we affirm our faith with joy and a willing spirit as we hear today's scripture. Our first reading is from Micah, chapter 6, verse 8. He has told you, O mortal, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you? but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God. Our second reading is from Matthew, chapter 18, verses 21 to 22. Then Peter came and said to him, Lord, if another member of the church sins against me, how often should I forgive? As many as seven times? Jesus said to him, not seven times, but I tell you, 77 times. This is God's word to God's people. Thanks be to God.
3: in the midst of our sermon series on setting a course for a better life, looking at how we might set ourselves up to live in the world in such a way that we know God's presence and God's guiding direction is what navigates us on our journey. This month we're looking at turning ourselves from a focus of serve us or serve me to service and serving others. And between last week, this week and next week, we are looking at the scripture Micah 6:8 of what does the Lord require of you but to do justice, to love kindness and to walk humbly with your Lord. This week we're going to focus on the love kindness or love mercy aspect of that scripture. And depending on what Bible you open up, you have a different translation. Because in Hebrew, the word is hesed, which is difficult for us to translate into English because there's so many nuances and variations of the word and different aspects of it. Just so you know, hesed is used over 240 times in the Old Testament and is often translated as mercy, but it has a broader meaning concerning loyal or steadfast love and a covenant faithfulness there's no one single word that that defines it well which is why we have differences in translations a word that might be the closest definition is devotion but it's a devotion that is commit that commits love in actions so that when we talk about it, it it takes on the aspects of mercy and loving kindness or just kindness. Scripture, when it's used in the Old Testament, frequently praises the chesed of God. Those things that tell us that God has a covenant with us, to be in relationship with us, even when we have turned away and our love has failed. God continues to want to maintain that covenant with us, sent his son to live among us, taught us what it meant to be kind and merciful. The scripture that we read from the New Testament today reminds us how often we're supposed to forgive. And we remember and reflect on the fact that God has forgiven us over and over again, but continues to say, you are loved I'm going to show you mercy, and I hope to be in right relationship with you. When I think about tangible examples of this example of hesed, mercy, and kindness, I think back on the story of Les Miserables. Uh, Les Mis, as many of us call it, we, many of us have probably seen the musical on Broadway, and I think of the story of Jean Valjean, a man who spent 19 years in prison, for stealing a loaf of bread and then trying to break out. Probably not the best plan, which is why the prison term got elongated. But as he was finally released after 19 years, no one wanted anything to do with him. No one wanted to to welcome him into their community. And so he ends up being taken in by a local church. The bishop at the local church... Knowing God's law requires love, charity, and hospitality tells Jean Valjean, though our lives are very humble, what we have, we have to share, and welcomes him into the environment and encourages him to embrace what the church has to offer. Jean Valjean took that encouragement a little too far and embraced some silverware and went off into the night. He got arrested by a police officer uh, who said, how did you get the silverware? The police and Jean Valjean said, oh, the church gave it to me so that I could have a fresh start. The police officer didn't quite believe him, so brought him back to the church to, to talk with the bishop and see if the bishop would corroborate his story. This put the bishop in a very difficult position. He had shown this criminal charity and had been repaid with theft of one of the church's few um, significant possessions. And he was well within his rights to tell the truth about this betrayal, and no one would have questioned whether or not he had done the right thing. But instead of turning Jean Valjean in, the bishop grabs candlesticks from the church and shoves them in the criminal's hands. He tells the police that not only did he give Jean Valjean the church's silverware, but he had forgotten to take the candlesticks with him. The police officer left, and the bishop turns to Jean Valjean and says, "'Forget not. Never forget that you have promised me to use this silver to become an honest man.'" Jean Valjean, my brother, you belong no longer to evil, but to good. It is your soul that I am buying for you. I withdraw it from the dark thoughts and from the spirit of perdition, and I give it to God. The bishop acted mercifully when it seemed like he should, like Jean Valjean could have and should have been punished, and that act of mercy transformed, transformed Jean Valjean's life, and he changed the way he lived by that gift of grace and mercy and kindness that he received from the bishop. Mercy isn't just about being nice; it's a It's a kindness that is extended at personal cost when it's within our power to do otherwise. It's having the ability to see the big picture instead of being so focused on what we feel like we deserve. Mercy and kindness at its best has the power to soften hearts. And not just soften hearts for for the person who receives mercy and kindness, but for us who give mercy and kindness as well. It gives those who receive forgiveness or mercy and kindness, whatever word you want to put in there, a new beginning. And it lets those of us that extend the act of forgiveness or being generous to someone the ability to let go of any animosity that we have and to see the world a little bit different than we would have otherwise as individuals we're called to extend that mercy and kindness to others to the point that the pope in his ash wednesday sermon actually talked about kindness talked about how he, he was addressing social media in his in his conversation but he said with the anima or the anonymity that we have on Facebook and social media, we can be so mean and and convey so much vitriol into the world. And the Pope encouraged us to consider how we might be kind instead of perpetuating anger and negativity in the world. We were encouraged to remember that we don't know what's going on in each person's lives, that Our words and our sentiments whether in cyberspace or in real life can either bring a blessing to an individual or help to continue a really bad day that they've already had. We have the opportunity to change the dynamic and change the conversation by choosing kindness and mercy rather than engaging and perpetuating the cycle of negativity. A few months ago, I asked the question of some friends, what books should I be reading right now? And one of the books that was recommended to me was Have You Seen Luis Velez? And I'm so thankful that I clicked on that book to read in the weeks leading up to our month about service. Because this is a book that talks to me about kindness and pausing to take a moment to engage someone in conversation that we might not have otherwise. For those of you who have been in worship the last few weeks, you've heard me talk about our GPS, our God positioning system, and how that is the Holy Spirit guiding and directing us. And this is a story for me that talks about someone who listened to their GPS and paused at an inopportune moment, but established a relationship that was transformative both for him and the person that he stopped to listen to. Have You Seen Luis Velez is a story about Raymond Jaffrey, a young man who feels like he doesn't belong anywhere. His parents are divorced and his mother's remarried and he looks nothing like his new family. Uh, his father has a new wife and he doesn't feel welcome in his or with his father and his wife in their house either. At school, he's got one friend who, unfortunately, at the beginning of the story, moves out of town. So Raymond feels rather alone. He's running late for school one day, and he hears a voice calling from a down, down the hallway, saying, hello. And he, he debates whether or not he should engage in the conversation or make his way on to school because he knows he's already late, and he chooses to have a conversation. He meets a woman named Giltrude Guterman, a German-Jewish woman who narrowly escaped the Holocaust, who happens to be blind. When he stops and talks to her, she asks the question, have you seen Luis Velez? It turns out that her caretaker, who comes by her house two to three times a week to make sure that she can get to the bank and to get to the grocery store despite her blindness, has not been able, has not come by in about three weeks. She is at the point that she is down to her last can of soup in her house and and has been rationing that out for the last several days and only has about half a can left. And while Raymond doesn't know who Luis Velez is, That moment of pausing and offering kindness to a woman he didn't know transforms both of their lives. He begins to escort um, Mrs. Guterman to the store and the bank on a regular basis, and unbeknownst to Mildred, he begins his own search for Luis Velez. And it turns out that there's 21 Luis Velezes in New York City that he needs to, to interact with and to try to find the correct one. And he meets a lot of interesting people along the way and has a great journey. Through the course of the story, and as it unfolds, I don't want to give away too much because you may choose to read the book. um, They establish an unlikely friendship, a friendship that allows Raymond to remind Mildred that for every terrible act that the world delivers, there's a mirror image of deep kindness. And Mildred helps Raymond see that there's hope if you have someone to hold on to. Our goal as people of faith is to to bring hope and light and to remind people that there is kindness and goodness in the world. Our goal as people of faith is to go back to our ancient wells, our scripture, to remind us that God is persistent and caring and will watch over us and that God has made a covenant with us. And God asks us to live in the world representing God's light and love to those that we encounter. In light of the coronavirus, we are experiencing Lent in a new and different way. Lent is usually a time of giving something up. I don't think that any of us thought that we were going to give up worshiping together when we stepped into Lent this season, but it is giving us a new understanding and a new dimension of the wilderness. Jesus went into the wilderness for 40 days before he began his ministry, and we spend our 40 days before Easter in, in a Act of preparation so that our hearts may be ready for the full gift of what God has given us. And now we're being challenged to figure out how to be community while we self-isolate and while we do we take acts and measures to protect all of us, even as we where's the thought there, protect all of us in this season of unknowing and doubt. We've seen some potential ugliness as people have been getting ready for for their time of isolation, but we've also seen some beautiful acts of grace, mercy, and kindness along the way. I heard a story of a, a pastor who was known for walking around her church's con- or community on a regular basis, and a member of her church, not wanting to break the self-isolation rules, left a note on on their statue in their front yard, so when the pastor walked by, they could see a note that said, "Pastor Elaine," I'm making up the name because I don't remember who it was exactly. Pastor Elaine," and she was able to pick up that note and get that message of encouragement, a note of kindness along the way. I've heard stories of people either getting phone calls or reaching out to others who they know are self-isolated and saying, or self-quarantine and saying, "Is there anything that you need? How are you doing?" can I drop something by your doorstep? We don't have to talk, but I want you to know that I'm thinking about you and that I care about you. We are down in numbers today. If there's someone who normally sits next to you that you're concerned about or that you care about, take this time. Take time this week to reach out to them. Let them know that you're thinking about them. Extend an act of kindness and mercy and see if there's anything that they need. This is going to be a season where we learn how to be in community when we can't physically be together. It's going to be a grand adventure, but I know that we're going to do it well because the love and concern that we have for each other is true and deep and profound. We've been reading a book called Shift 2.0, and the author of the book says, To be a disciple is to be a servant. To be the church is to serve. The church cannot be the church without being missional in nature. We as a church have the opportunity to represent God's light in the world as all of this is going on. I know that we're not meaning to do our processing session next week as we had hoped to, but I hope however we do that, and we will come up with a way, I promise you that, that we as a congregation take the time to figure out how we may be in the ministry of engagement, interacting with people, helping one another, and recognizing that it is a a relationship of reciprocity and mutuality, that we're not going into it thinking that we're better than those that we're serving, but we're going into a situation saying, we want to work with you so that we are making our whole world and community better, and that we are striving to benefit the wholeness of God's kingdom. I am so thankful that we have a feeding program in our community and my heart breaks that that feeding program is going on hiatus for a month because that means that some of those that depend on the food will not have their nightly hot meals to turn to. But I'm thankful that it exists and I'm thankful that while they have discontinued the hot meal program on a nightly basis over the next month that Harbor House is working to make sure that they have bag lunches on hand so that those that do depend on the meal still get meals and are sustained physically while they cannot gather together for the hot meal and community together. (sighs) Praise be for being the hands and feet of Christ in the world. (sighs) I know that several Alcoholics Anonymous groups and other anonymous groups are trying to walk this road of mercy and kindness in the midst of the coronavirus very tenuously because they recognize that while we are safer when we don't gather, that some people's sobriety are dependent upon that accountability. So they're trying to find new ways to be a support and a community to one another while honoring social distancing, but also recognize that there is a need that may be more significant than some, to some than staying apart from each other. So I hope and pray that as the AA and other A communities discern this process, that they make choices that are the best for everyone involved and figure out how to support one another so that they have mercy and kindness in the decisions that are made. We are called as people of faith to acknowledge the hased that God has given to us, to acknowledge the, the covenant that God has made with us, to walk with us, to support us, to extend mercy and kindness upon us when we step off of the path of faithfulness. But God also asks us to establish a covenant with God and with our community to extend mercy and kindness, to show appreciation for what God has done, and to live in such a world that we are making sure that the mercy and kindness that God has provided to us is provided to those in need as well. I hope as our beloved community, we might find a way to make mercy and kindness a standard of our lives and a way in which we serve God to the best of our abilities. Amen.